0: and welcome to the creativity conferences official podcast my name is aiden Rode. i am the assistant manager here at the creativity conference and i'm very excited to be hosting this podcast where i'll be discussing all aspects of creativity with some world-class creative minds who we are lucky enough to have joining us as speakers for the creativity conference today i'm joined by justin molman who is an incredible video game designer uh, currently working at epic games and based in chicago
1: justin how are things how are you doing i'm good It's not the first week but it's the first week really back to work so it's just slammed 2022 is going to be crazy
0: yeah and uh, for sure yeah uh you delivered a, a really amazing presentation for us back at the creativity conference in august 2021 how did you find the creativity conference did you manage to attend any
1: other sessions uh, I, I, I popped into some of them. I really enjoyed it. I, I've been like, uh, you know, I was put onto it by uh, Dell, who I work with. And it was just really great to see what the conference was, was it about it was just pushing more like creativity, regardless of, of what your discipline is and your focus industry wise. So that was really cool. And then, um, you know, I, I'm going to be part of the 2022 conference, which is going to be in Iceland, which is amazing. Uh, and I've already started to loop in some people i worked with from other industries who are actually going to be talking as well. So it should be pretty fun. Yeah. I, I can't wait for Iceland. It's it's going to
0: be amazing, but yeah. we'll get I'm to excited. that. We'll get to that. It's a bucket list,
1: yeah. Yeah. So
0: with your, you know, you're starting out again, a fresh 2022, it's yep. it's just beginning. What are some of your sort of current creative projects that you're working on that you're particularly excited about? Ooh.
1: yeah so um if you happen to catch my talk last time and uh, i do many things Um uh, most recently i um so i'm in charge of the uh the education for game development using unreal engine um specifically for the online portion and i help with other aspects so there's been a big push on everything we're doing since unreal 5 is coming out this year um, and i'm focusing more on the game development aspect but uh most recently before the year ended Uh, I took over uh, all the learning stuff for ArtStation, which is a really great, um, huge website, very influential, um, a lot of amazing artists on there. So um, whereas I'm dealing with more Unreal stuff for Epic, uh, for ArtStation, I'm dealing more with um, everything, everything from Blender to Illustration to uh, virtual production, visual effects, animation, just, again, working with high tier studios, schools, students, And professionals to create content for training and for education. So that's been really fun. Um, You know, we're kicking off uh, another rookies award, which will be our I think our twelfth one uh, in March 2022. Uh, We got some really fun sponsors. We got some really cool categories, and you know, it's it's just always a fun time. But it's busy ramping up to it. But you know, last year we had almost 5,000 submissions, so it's a lot of stuff to go through. Um, And then uh, yeah, I mean, I, I I I'm teaching. Um, as a mentor still with this online school based in Australia, CG Spectrum, which has been really fun. You know, um, we've been kind of tightening up our our relationship with Epic Games and some other studios to just be more efficient and deliver higher quality content. And it's all remote school, so I'm a big fan of everything that they've been doing. Just because you know, I've been teaching for 15 years now, on and off, and you know, I like teaching in person, but given Everything with the pandemic and just how it being able to work remotely, but also the school is is small enough and agile enough because it is remote that it can kind of pivot when it needs to with uh, tech trends, which is uh, it's, it's needed. It's very needed. Um, <clears throat> and then um, you know, last year we, we ended pretty strong. And then one of my fun, like I love all those jobs, but uh, one of the most recent things I've been doing for the last like three years is I'm the... Um, Uh, bass player for metallica is a a creative assistant but i also manage his son's band auto It's three t's and it was really fun because in december i got to go out to san francisco and be part of the 40th anniversary for metallica they played two really big shows and um auto we we played uh two shows as well which were kind of like they played auto played on thursday and saturday metallica played on friday and sunday and it was um, the Saturday show was was really fun because it was those of you who are a metal or thrash fan or fan, it was it was um James the singer of Metallica's son has a band, Bastard Dane. and then uh, Lars the drummer has a there's his son has band, uh, he has two sons and they have a band together, type Houston, and then it was Rob's son's band. So it was just really cool to see all this energy from these like world famous metal legends, but then their sons and they're really good. So you're seeing like the starting energy and you're watching them watching each other. And you're seeing like, they're at, they're watching their sons cause it was like this one stage performance and you get to see them all watching their kids with just super like all this amounts of pride, but they are 40 years into the future and then just all the creativity that took them to that part. And I don't know, it was just for, in, ter- in terms of creativity, I just left there like, this is amazing. Um, and it was really fun to be part of that. And, uh, kind of geeked out and and, and got myself a, a new Leica camera, one of those like Q2 monochromes. Nice. And I was able to shoot it all um, and uh, they shared all my stuff, which was really fun. And and now I'm like, I'm looking forward to shooting uh, more this year. And I'm, I'm already kind of do a couple tours in the side with a couple of different musicians uh, pending if um, the pandemic doesn't go well. But it's been fun. I mean, the one thing I've always been really lucky to, to have is like this nice balance between teaching and game development and like working in the creative industry in terms of illustration and all other fun stuff and still doing the music and everything else. And, um, you know, we released eight comics and four books last year. Like I have a couple of them, like right here, like i released with like my, my buddy and a couple of our stuff. Yeah. There's my name right there there. Um, with heavy metal. Um, so I, I, do, I still do editing with them, but we released a lot of content in the last like 14 months and, you know, it, it's hard to make it insanely profitable during a pandemic, which has like paper shortages, delivery issues and all our supply chain stuff. But to just get it out, is fun. And it's, it's like, um, you know, a little feather in your cap and it, it's more or less the learning process and actually seeing it through is really, really fun. Because um, I'm, I'm big on uh, can I do that? And then you learn it and then you do it and you're like, oh, this is really fun. So, but there's, yeah, there's a lot of stuff. Basically, Unreal 5 is going to be a big thing for 2022.
0: Yeah, that's that's a really nice sort of mix variety of, of things that you're working on. Um, oh, and, and so find... many other
1: stuff overlaps too. Like, yeah. Unintentionally, it's just, it's great.
0: Did you find that the, the pandemic working through lockdown thus far has sort of creatively enabled you to do certain things or sort of stifled other aspects
1: you know it's it's um for the last you know i've been doing game development for almost 20 years now and i would say the last studio that i worked at on site full time was disney and uh after disney disney had a a branch in chicago and then Um, they closed it and they moved it back to California and I just stayed here just, you know, for family and other obligations. But, um, I started working more contract-based and I started working more remotely on a lot of things. And for me, when the pandemic hit, I was already working remotely on almost every single job I had. Um, it was only like one job I actually transitioned out of that was more on-site in Chicago. And other than that, everything's been remote for me for, a long time. The one thing I would say is that I did get more busy because there's this, it's better now. And I'm actually like, you know, when 2020 hit in 2021, it was more or less of like, especially last year, it's like, there's this expectation of working, but when you're home a lot and you can't separate when you start working, when you end working and how you relax and when like that line blurs and it can kind of be a little bit like, you'll find sometimes where you're you're never working the exact same schedule, which I, I like sometimes and sometimes I don't, um, you know, to be blunt, there'll be days where you know, I, I wake up and I just don't have the creative energy. So maybe I'll go for a walk, maybe I'll do something completely different and I won't tackle any tasks during the nine to five period, but we're pretty loose in that whole nine to five period, but I will tackle my tasks later that day because all of a sudden something clicks and then I'm like, oh, I get this rush of focus and energy and clarity and I can just rock it out. But the biggest part that's been kind of hard, I'm sure it's been the same for everyone, is just like when defining the end and beginning of day when you're working from home, uh especially if you're like me and i'm living in a big city and i don't have like a huge place yeah definitely and
0: so touching on unreal 5 which you mentioned a minute ago um that's obviously going to be huge and is already proving to be revolutionary in sort of game engine designing um can you go into a little bit more detail about um exactly what unreal is for People who might not be familiar with it and how yeah. it is going to be so unbelievably enabling creatively.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's um, to start with, it's always been a game engine. You know, Epic is Epic. I think is always known, especially nowadays, is more or less known for by the public for Fortnite. Um, and before that, they had a really strong series of Gears of War, and they also were doing this uh, online uh, Unreal tournament. And um, when I was younger, they always did like another series, Jazz Jackrabbit. And they've been around for a long time. They've been around since 90s, um, early 90s. And at one point they decided to start making their own game engine Unreal. And um, just like a lot of engines back in the day, like um, I think Team Fortress had some, and, you know, uh, Doom with their ID tech, uh, there, there became these engines that people would share and other people, creatives, um, hobbyists, students, or people in the actual industry would Go ahead and create their own they were called mods um they would do their own like interpretations you know i think um, valve is really popular because they did that uh they had the mod that they did for counter strike that a lot of people actually downloaded and they tweaked into their own thing which i I could be wrong but i I mean i feel like i've heard that a lot of the people who created like left for dead and um uh, a lot of the stuff like uh not half-life it was like left for dead and portal um, we're just people who are taking their mods and messing around with them, and they were found, and then they hired them and let them fully develop stuff. So, basically, Unreal Engine is uh, it's a, a it's a really really amazing game engine. I've been doing games for again since PlayStation One, and I've worked at a bunch of different studios. And you know, in order to make an actual game, you have to take everything you're making, whether it's in MyR Max, or Photoshop, or Substance, or any of that stuff. It has to go and get input into what we call a game engine which essentially becomes like the stage of like whatever you're, you know, you're importing all this content, you're staging everything, you're setting up all the animations, interactions. Um, and you know, there's a lot of big studios like EA, Ubisoft and whatnot, they have their own internal studio, uh, internal engines, but Unreal, I feel like is one of the strongest, if not the strongest out there because it's been consistently like, it's just not only is it like, their whole focus is that we have like a huge division that's just the Unreal Engine, but like it's they they don't just make an engine; they make an engine and they create content with it. You know, Fortnite, Gears of War, all this other stuff was made using Unreal Engine, um, and they really are big supporters of you know third-party studios that are using that content as well. Um, and a lot of indie games and bigger studios are actually using Unreal to develop content. I know, um, what was it like Cloud Chamber up in Montreal is using it, so is. Uh, striking distance, there's, 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 a, there's tons of studios. Um, but the one thing that's really amazing about Unreal Engine in my opinion, is just the lighting and materials and everything else that it does to visually make things go. Um, it's it's user interface, it's scalability. I and mean, I've been using it since 2005. I started on Unreal 3 when it came out. Um, and then I used a lot of it. I used a lot of Unreal 4 stuff. And you know, what's, seeing what Unreal 5 is, it's, it's a natural transition um, and you know the the early version's been out there for uh, a few months now. And if you noticed uh, anything that was released in, the, in December, it was that Matrix demo, which is playable on your actual Xbox or PS5. And it's really to show it's like, hey, not only are we showing you pretty videos of what this is, try it, play it, look at it. Like this is actually, this, this is gonna happen. Um, and the beautiful thing that's been happening lately is that you see how strong the tech is uh even on real 4 that a lot of studios i mean a mandalorian i think and john Favreau* were um, a big big ones that kind of like the eyes of the public were kind of drawn to because they were using this tech still are to make the visuals for the mandalorian and there's a lot more movies and studios that are doing the exact same thing which is fun because Uh, when I started and I was working on PlayStation one games, it's like, you look at the game art and you were like, that's the same time when like Lord of the Rings and all these amazing movies are coming out. They couldn't have been further apart, like video games and movies quality wise, but then, you know, you see things now and ironically, uh, they just used unreal five and the new, uh, matrix movie for some of the background content. So it's, it's like 20 years and boom, look what changes. And all, I mean, I'm, I'm very curious to see what's gonna happen 20 years from now, you know what I mean? Yeah, and one of the things that I I really appreciate
0: about Unreal um, is that it it completely flips the stereotype of, oh, you're a a gamer. You just sort of sit there passively and play games like a zombie, and it just Mm -hmm. turns it into this sort of this hugely creative design challenge. And so what users are doing, you're essentially enabling creativity and turning the tide from this sort of blasé stereotype of gamers into these actual... Amazing creatives. So, is that something that you behind the scenes are sort of consciously
1: aware of and driven by, or is this sort of a side effect? I think it's a little bit of both. I mean, I think, you know, I don't have anything to do with the actual development of the engine. That's for people far smarter than me and talented. Um, But when we're creating content, especially for education and training and trying to make, and when I'm using it to make my own content, um, I think the idea. Uh, not just with Unreal, but with like Maya and Substance Painter and Adobe's done a really good job of making all these amazing new suites available. It's, it's, um it's making tools. So they feel like they're a natural extension for the person using it. So that way they aren't, you know, when I'm teaching people or when I'm trying to train someone in a studio, I don't want them to think about everyone's always going to be like, Hey, I got this amazing idea. And I, I, I get frustrated because I can't make it like, yeah, it's, it's like you walking into like uh, a wood shop and being like, well, I'm going to make this amazing rocking chair, but you've never been in that workshop. You don't know what tools to use. You've never built anything, and you don't know what the tools are called or where they're located. And then that's what happens with a lot of people when they're trying to get into visual effects or games or any of that stuff. Like they all, everyone's like, I got these great ideas. And I'm like, everyone's got a great ideas. Especially when you go to a studio, everyone walking around the hall has amazing ideas. Everyone does. But we just don't say them because we know that our tasks are at hand and we're look, we're focused on the larger picture. And there's a time and a place to really like allow your ideas to shine. You have to kind of have these tool sets that allow someone that has that creativity, that has that vision in their head to be like, all right, cool, hey, here, here's Unreal, for example. You can, we have, we have all these amazing matinee tools. You can place cameras. You can like, literally you can recreate like you shooting something live. Um, we have like these amazing light rigs inside there. We have this ability for you to take existing content using the Quixel bridge, import that in there and, and make up your own scenes. Uh, it's like everything's there. And if you want something more specific, yeah, you can model it, unwrap it, texture, it, paint it, throw it inside there. Or you want to have a more specific character, again, model, rig, anime. But we do have a lot of stuff, and that's why Unreal's marketplace is really amazing in my opinion as well, because there's a lot of content and they give away content every month and they give away content every, like there's free content constantly on there. Um, And and so not only are we giving away an engine for free, we're providing education for free, we're giving you content for free. So really trying to enable people to be very, very creative to see what they can do. So it's one of those things, it's like not, yes you still have to make sure you know your way around that workshop but now we're not you could in theory not in theory and and in practice you could create amazing things without actually modeling or sculpting or texturing or rigging or doing anything like that pretty pretty fast and obviously the more time you spend with it the more you dig into all the features and tools you're going to get better you're going to make people do some insane stuff but you know, I think people also have to realize like less is more. You're one person and that's a, there's a reason why when you go to see like a movie or you go to play a game, their the credit list is as long as it is and why the budget for those movies or why the time periods take that long for a game to get developed. It's like, what do you expect? These things don't come, like there's a lot of work and so much work that's thrown away that you just don't even ever see because a lot of it's just throwing stuff against the wall and seeing what sticks. And on what sticks, it still has to get developed and iterated and figured out. And then the biggest frustration, especially from game development, is when you take all of those disciplines, all of those files, and you push it to like one final file that's getting pushed into the build, something's gonna break. And that's where people hear the term crunch. And it's like, no, I mean, some people will crunch um, because maybe something isn't planned correctly or, or something pops up that's un- like, un- like unexpected. But, you know, you're gonna have to be aware that when you're taking all that content and falling it down to a person to put a build out there so that it can get certified by like, you know, Microsoft for Xbox or Sony for PlayStation or Nintendo, it's like, yeah, some things could break. So stand by just in case.
0: Yeah. And going back to your role in particular, you, you say you, you, you create original content and tutorials uh, for users. Obviously, there's a an idea generation phase of that, of going, okay, well, what is going to be the next thing that I make that I push out to users? What mm-hmm. is your creative process for generating ideas of, of what to do next?
1: Um, I work with a lot of talented authors, um, people who are at uh, you know, we have internal teams at Epic that will bounce ideas off of and get validation and confirmation and, um, just double check things. But we work with talented authors that have been kind of in the industry for a long time. People who are like heads of like studios at like Warner brothers, or they're heading up things over at ILM and people who use those tools that we make in their actual production line. And the process for that is just. You know, when I'm trying to figure out what we should make, it's, it's very much broken into two different trains of thoughts. I, I wanna make content that someone who knows specifically what they wanna do, hey, I wanna be an environment artist, cool. Take this learning path. Here's all the content you need to do. Here's the tools you need to understand. Here's the methods of using those tools and here's content that you need to be able to make. Um, so there's that aspect. Or there's some people who just are more driven by like a project base. Like, hey, I wanna learn how to make like a Last of Us looking scene. Uh, cool, right, we're, we're, this one's project based and we're gonna show you how we made all these these steps to get to that final scene, but it's not going to be just an environment. We're going to cover some of the stuff for level design, or maybe some of the stuff for gameplay, maybe some stuff for lighting, maybe some stuff for shaders. So it's like you're getting a little like a, a little buffet line to get to that thing, but the focus of that is the end project, not being a master of a, a specific um, role. So I'm really like wrapped around those ones, and then um, and I'm trying to do more of like um creativity by um having scenes that you can just explore and um experiment with to see what you want to do because if you think about it like it's, it's like when you're a kid like you're sitting on a ground usually in like like when you're in like preschool or like kindergarten wherever it might be and you've got all these blocks and toys it's like all right cool that's where the creativity imagination comes in it's like i i learned these tools all right that that does this now i want to experiment see what i can do before I try to recreate something else. And I feel like that's a huge thing that not enough people do. They don't allow themselves to just experiment and be creative and break things and just see like, you know, turn the dial to 11, see what happens. Like, I think sometimes we, do, we live in these safe boxes because um, we're so focused on getting a task done as opposed to taking a step back and having fun with it and being open to it and seeing what you can really create. And when you see studios that actually do that successfully. um, And how much what they're able to create, it's pretty fun. Uh, Like, I'm a big fan of everything epic does. They're just great. But another smaller studio that just consistently blows my mind with the work they do is a studio in Copenhagen called uh, play dead. They they did limbo, they just did inside like a couple years ago, I can't wait for the next one. They don't make long experiences game wise, they make shorter ones. And they take their time. But what they make, you're just like, wow, this is amazing. Like, I, you know, it should take me three hours, but I'm gonna go ahead and play it. It's gonna take me nine hours just because I'm replaying and I'm looking at everything for a long time. So, yeah.
0: So, so you personally have worked on a lot of projects, big, big and small in your mm-hmm. career. Are there any in particular that you uh, have a bit of a soft spot for, you're particularly proud of, but are potentially lesser known about in the grand scheme of things?
1: I mean, uh, the thing is, like, so I really enjoyed for me geeking out on stuff. I, I, it was really fun to be on the Mortal Kombat team when I was. Um, was one of the like, I worked at a smaller studio first um, called High Voltage, and and I worked on some you know early porting games, and then I worked on some art content, and I was doing animation. It was fun. I liked it. I had a lot of fun. And then I got they, even when I was there, we we're working on some fun like third party stuff. but It was like PlayStation 1, PlayStation 2. It wasn't like, oh my God, look at the graphics. But at the time, I was just like, hey, we're working on the Family Guy game. Hey, we're working on the Jackass game. So it was just fun to work with those properties because I was like, yeah, that's fun. I liked it at that time. Um, but I started working at uh, uh, Midway Games when I was, it was like 2005, so like 17 years ago. Wow, <laughs> I was old. Uh, so I'm trying to do the math right now. Yeah, it was like early 20s. Um, and I was one of the youngest people hired in the Mortal Kombat team a long time, and I was the newest one in a long time. So I was super like pumped because, you know, everyone else that was working on it, they're part of the original crew of people who have been doing the Mortal Kombat games, there's some new hires like five or six years before, but I was like the freshest for a while. Um, and to come on there, uh, I was kind of geeking out cause I remember as a kid, you know, playing Mortal Kombat, you know, h- hiding in a friend's basement, playing out on Sega Genesis. So you can actually see the blood or like running into like this, the, the uh, I, come, I grew up in a farm town. So it was like, it was a hike to get to where we had arcade machines and it was like a 30 minute bike ride. Um, maybe sometimes even an hour, depending on where it was. And it's like, all right, get your quarter you play. So being able to work on that stuff was really, really fun. and you know, I, I got to work on um, Shaolin monks, which is really, really cool. And then I got to jump on to Armageddon and some of MK versus DC stuff. And um, I had a lot of fun doing that because they give you a lot of control on, I did the backgrounds and they gave me a lot of control. Like, just do what you want to do. Like, cause at, when we were in midway, like the concept art wasn't like insanely in depth. It was like, Oh, cool! But I mean, they've, they've changed ever since you know Warner Brothers took took over. Like they're super thorough, and you know they're still putting out insanely good games. Like the stuff that they're making, I was like, holy cow, like they're they're doing a great job. And another Rumble Studios does amazing stuff. But it was really fun. I I was geeked out because it's something that I grew up playing, and I it was the first game that I was like really geeked out on. On, um, and I was proud of it. And then even when we like my next studio we went to was Activision up in uh, Raven Soft, and uh. We worked on a, a, a game. I worked on a game initially for like a, a couple months called X Men Origins Wolverine, which was really fun. And I got put on to another studio. Sorry, another project. This studio called Singularity. Singularity, I thought was an amazing game, and we had a really great team. It just came out. It was one of those things like when I was working at Activision, um, I jumped onto the Tony Hawk projects next. But it was during this big like, oh my God, Call of Duty, oh my God, Destiny, where like everything else that Activision was doing just they stopped paying attention to it. They didn't push the marketing into it. They didn't push the money into it. And it was all like everyone, everything was Destiny and Call of Duty. So unfortunately, we had these amazing projects that like, uh, even when I was at Midway, we did this amazing project called um, Stranglehold, which was the first time, ironically, I was using Unreal Engine. That you know we just didn't get the support that we wanted to get. And even at Activision, like when we're working on those, because I worked on a bunch of Tony Hawk games, we just weren't getting the support that we were promised that we were going to get and it's unfortunate because we had amazing teams and it's like, all right, call of duty. And it's one of those things that people don't understand when, when a project comes out and someone like a fan's like, Oh, this game's not that good. It's like, yeah, we know it's, it's usually the publisher's vault uh, or the marketing side. Like there's internal sources. Yes. That sometimes will hiccup things, but it's ultimately the people who are controlling the schedule and the finances that are like, No, no, no. And that's how it's also marketed. And um, I feel like things have been getting better in terms of like the relationship between developers and the marketing department of a publisher. But there's these times where I remember when I was working on Mortal Kombat games, too. It's like you'd see marketing doing something. It's like you have no clue what we're making, yet you're trying to market it. And we're wondering why the game's not because there's like this complete disconnect. but uh, I was really proud, I was, I was honestly super proud when I got, uh, I started working at uh, Disney and I, I thought that was really fun and we were working on a bunch of cool stuff and I was working, again, it's one of those those scenarios where I had, I was working again with a lot of people I had worked with in the past and I was fun and like, here's something about getting your check from Disney and seeing like a your, your, your ID card saying, oh, you're from Disney. Like, so it was, it was, you know, it's Disney and that was a really, really fun time too and you know, there's been a lot of uh, I worked with a lot of indie studios along the way because, you know, I, I tried to I've always been based in the Chicagoland area. So like there's not that many studios and you're trying to get what you can get. And um, eventually, you know, I, I got lucky and I landed with Epic and it's been almost three years and I'm super happy with them. Uh, great studio, great people um, and yeah. Outside
0: of your career, what are some creative outlets that you do um, in your spare time that keep you creatively fulfilled or help you sort of relax?
1: Um, you know, I like to cook. I think it's the opposite of what we do. Um, you know, you leave a computer and you try to do something that you can actually interact with. And like, I think cooking, being able to touch, taste, smell, hear, see, it's like you're engaging all your senses. Um, it's really relaxing and gives me a little bit of control. Um, I, I really like taking photos, photography. I've been lucky enough to shoot for bands like Metallica and Nine Inch I've been on, I've gotten dragged onto tours where I'm like, how the heck did this happen? Um, and I started doing photography more because um, I like to go outside and just look at things. Uh, my, my, my biggest set is, uh, still world building environments and lighting and texturing and all that stuff. So when I'm, especially when I'm downtown or if I'm traveling, I like to just look at things. Cause I'm like, how did they make this? Why did they make this? What's this decision here? And I used to do construction growing up. I grew up on a farm. So like I'm familiar with how a lot of things are built. And then you start to think about the science behind why something broke down or like even the story about why is that leak there? Why is that crack there? Um, those are the things that you look at a good game, a good project, a good movie. Those are those little details that make or break a scene, and they'll take the viewer or the player and make them feel 100% immersed into what they're doing, and almost completely forget that they are playing a game because they're just so sucked into exploring that space. I think, you know, Last of Us does an amazing job of you know creating real-world um, environments that you feel like you're sucked into, um, and. To avoid being that person, just stares outside. Just you know, I, I picked up and I started doing photography, um, shooting more like street photography, and then like um, architectural and like landscape details. And I started doing the more music stuff because I've always worked in the music industry on and off for like the last twenty years, whether it's just you know engineering or um, design or whatnot. And you know, it's it's been fun. And photography and cooking are huge things, and just you know, travel and walking. You can't go wrong with like uh it's the my biggest advice to anyone who ever gets stuck, creatively: Go for a walk. Just go for a walk. The air, the fresh air, getting your blood moving, and then just looking at everything around you. It's how can you not get inspired?
0: And allowing the the subconscious, <coughs> the yeah. subconscious mind to sort of continue to process things even when you're not actively thinking oh, yeah. about it.
1: And, and and honestly, that's um and that's why it made me, you know. I go for walks a lot and it's not because I don't want to, it's not like I'm not working. The minute I go for a walk, I'm thinking about what I have to do, what I will do next. Instead of staring at a screen and sitting down, I'm going for a walk and I'm figuring out as I'm walking. So when I come back to sit down, I got more energy, I have more focus. Because sitting down and staring at a screen, it drains you, it it really does. (laughs) It shouldn't, but it does. Yeah, without a doubt.
0: And talking of travel, Iceland, August, 2022, it's oh, yeah. hopefully going to be a, a, a It is going to be a spectacular event. Uh, it's going to be fantastic that you're going to join us all things going yep. well. And, uh, is there anything in particular that you're excited about regarding Iceland other than everything?
1: <laughs> I mean, excited. I'm excited. I'm excited to meet, uh, uh, everyone involved with the conference. I'm excited just to be in Reykjavik, and I'm um, excited to do some talks, um, meet some people, engage in like, you know, I, I'm always, I'm big on creativity. I think the reason why I like it is because um, friends will like friends that know me know that I love everything I do. But, you know, friends that are like, wow, why, why does it always seem like you're working? I'm like, I'm not like I've been lucky enough to find things that creatively interest me and challenge me and find ways to get paid doing it. So it's like you called a job, but it's me. I'm enjoying everything I'm doing. So uh, I'm excited to like share ways of like how I was able to do that and you know because I came from a very, very 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 small farm town in the middle of nowhere. Um, and I was like the first person in my family to go to college. So you know it, there's there's things that you can do regardless of the uh, circumstances that you're born into or around you. and I'm excited to share that stuff. and then also, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna stay longer. I don't know about you. I'm gonna stay longer and explore. Uh, Iceland and bring my camera and just shoot and chill and see all that beauty. It's it's one of it's a bucket list place. Yeah,
0: it's it's a photographer's dream. I oh yeah, yeah. the photos I got from my time in Iceland are just some of my favorites. Yeah, so it's it's going to be amazing. And on the subject of creativity, final question, Uh, a fairly open-ended one and easy easy to ask but potentially difficult to answer. But what what does creativity mean? to you in your your field
1: i think it's honestly there's a really great talk that came out in 1991 by john cleese who's obviously like monty python he's a comedian legend um and he described creativity as it's not a skill set and i would agree it's not a skill set it's uh just a way of thinking it's a way of operating and a lot of times people i think i mentioned earlier and like he mentions in his talk people are so focus, especially in American culture of like, get it done, get it done, get it done, get it done, get it done. that they're in this closed mode. They're not allowing themselves to be created. Um, they're not allowing themselves to play and have fun and sit with enough problem. Uh, and there's this pressure that everything has to be perfect the first time around. And they're, and even with their scheduling, when I would sit there in meetings and someone would be like, oh yeah, this prop will take me like two hours in my head. I'm like, maybe to do it once. Like I would, say it would take me eight hours, because I would do it multiple times. And I'm assuming that maybe something will pop. Maybe one day I don't feel good. Maybe my tech, maybe my computer like sputs out or something like that. So I think creativity is just any person, regardless of what industry they're in or what age they're in or who they are, just allowing themselves that time and the, to remove the pressure or expectation of something being amazing off the bat and just being like all right cool i'm gonna have fun see what happens and i'll try this and if it doesn't work i'll try that and then learning from each approach uh so that way you know that's where you truly get to something good it's not like this expectation of this is gonna be amazing i'm gonna do this and this and this and this and you're you're doing it just because you're anxious and you want to get something done and you don't want to have a pile of content on your plate that that's not creative to me. That's just you being in a closed mode, trying to get these tasks done because it makes you feel anxious because you said that you would do something because, and I know that in every scenario there's, maybe you are, have maybe you do have a boss. It's like, you have to get everything done or maybe there is a scenario. So it's not usually all the time on the person, but it's like, we just have to change the way that we operate and allow ourselves to be in this mode of creativity. So, you know, if I'm working on a scene Cool. I'll try it this way. I'll try it that way. Well, what if someone did something like this? I like those ones, like the what if, could we, how about, and, 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 and being able to collaborate with other creatives. And I, I think what makes them creatives, especially at a good studio, is they will ask those questions. They will look at it and they won't push you. They'll take a look at what you're working on they'll really look at it and think and they'll ask you certain questions that make you think and this collaboration will often work into making the best scenes. And, you know, there's some studios out there that get a bad rap because they're like, oh, they're always crunching. And I'm like, ah. and I know I'm not going to say the studios are, but I know the, the people that work at these studios, I'm like, they're not constantly crunching. They just really like what they're doing. And they're comfortable taking a step back to really be like, what if we try? Oh, let's try this because they're having fun with it. Maybe they're, maybe them personally, they want to push it a little further on their own end. And I get that every project is exactly the same. Sometimes you're working on a project where you're like, oh, I just want to get this done. But I feel like creativity is not a skill set, it's just allowing yourself to be in a state of mind where you can have fun with what you're doing.
0: Very, very well answered. Well, that's that's about all the time we have uh, for this podcast. But thank you very much, Justin, for joining me. For sure, um, i cannot wait to for iceland and for you to join us there it'll be, be a fantastic uh, three days and and more if you're staying longer oh yeah I hopefully we'll see <laughs> yeah hopefully we'll see some of you people listening there as well as attendees it will be it's going to be a great experience so yeah. thanks again for listening thanks again for joining me and uh, have a wonderful rest of your
1: week